I, I have asked uh, my dear friend Stephen Adel to come up, and, and as you know, um, Israel is under attack even as we speak. And man, I want. No, you're good, bro. You drink that down, man. You drink it down. I love Steve Adel, and I love his heart for me. I love his heart for this church. He's a prayer warrior for Believers Chapel and myself personally, but he's a prayer warrior for Israel, and I know this about him. He has a deep affection for Israel. And I, I, and I want him to just be able to pray. As you know, Israel is under attack, and I want him to just speak his heart and just be able to pray, and as we would agree, that God would move powerfully, powerfully in that land for his people. For men, women, and child that are under attack, that these evil men are just destroying children and women. And it's evil. And it's just pure evil. And it's attack on God's holy land. And, and I'm, I'm asking, I've been praying that God just, personally, I've been praying that God firebomb the evil and take them out. That would be amazing. And I'm not kidding. Like, God can do that. But we got to pray for the people and wisdom and their strategy and their tactics and their military that they uh, protect their people. Sir, I appreciate you. And I'm, in, I'm just asking that you would pray. And if we would agree, Amen. Amen. You know, when I first heard about this, I have to acknowledge, Lord, how did Israel not know this was going to happen? Because they've got the greatest intelligence, and even the United States as well. But yet, then I said, God, you are all powerful. You are all good. There's no question about that. But yet, this is happening. And God, I have no ability to think in terms of what you're going to do. Yet I know that one of the most important things is that we would pray for the will of God to be fulfilled. And scripture says that we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they that love thee prosper. To me, and we could talk about what is the peace of Jerusalem, but to me, the most important peace of Jerusalem is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the one who's going to ultimately bring the peace. So, but I also, as Sean was saying, that we would pray in unity. I know the, the power of praying in faith in unity. So I thought, Lord, I want to pray for the things that we could all agree upon. And I have some friends, some powerful believers, that I know that we disagree on certain things. So I don't want to pray anything of a disagreement. So what are some of the things that we could pray an agreement upon? Like Sean said, they've taken children. They've taken every, you, little boys, girls. These are people who hate Israel. There's such an animosity in their heart. They want to drive them into the sea. Well, we know that's not going to happen. We know that's never going to happen. Because the one who defends Israel is the creator of the universe. His power is awesome. Yet now this is happening. So I've asked God to just put in my heart prayers that we could all agree upon. Father, I'm asking in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that your hand of protection would be upon Jewish believers and those believers who are in Israel to support the nation. I pray, God, that you would watch over them. And I know that there are some whose children are in the IDF, the Israel 
Defense Forces. Right now, they're on the battlefield. As Benjamin Netanyahu said, they are at war. God, we're asking that you would protect them. We pray that you would protect the Jewish people on the kibbutz where, they have, where the Hamas has come in and taken people. And who knows, God, but yet we're asking for your hand to be upon them. And even for Hamas, God, these are people who are, they're deceived like I was deceived before I knew Jesus Christ. God, we're asking that you would reveal the truth that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. We're asking for souls to be saved during this, Lord God. We pray for your will to be accomplished. And God, we know that ultimately what is going to take place is Jesus Christ will return. But while that's taking place, Lord, I'm asking that there would be prayers of unity, prayers of faith that would constantly go up for this nation. We're asking this, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I, for sure. years ago I was prophesied that, that I am part of the lost tribe of Israel, and I don't mind it. I would love that I would be part of the Jewish nation as part of the lost tribe. I've been a supporter of Israel for many years, and I just asked pastor's permission if I could give you, there are many great... Um, people who are supporters of Israel. I've been supporter of this one particular fund. If, and I'm not going to mention it, Sean gave me permission, but I won't say, if you want to know of a genuine, dynamic um, fund that goes, the vast majority of the money going in there goes for the people of that region, and they help both Israelis, they help Palestinians as well. They help whatever the need is. Even like when we were talking today about the people who have need, when we go there, we don't ask, are you saved? Right. Well, if you're not saved, sorry. No, no. It, it blessed me to hear that report today. I, I'm sure it did you as well. So the same thing in Israel. God Almighty loves all of us, but yet... We need to help them where we can, believing that what we do is going to help bring them to the love and to the salvation of Jesus Christ. So if you want to know that information, I'd be glad to help you. Sean, thank you so much. I love you, brother. Listen, I, I trust Steve Adel. I trust him. And if, and if there is something in your heart that you're like, you know what? The Lord has been stirring me to support Israel in this. Then I, I'm going to just have, like after service today, Steve's just going to be right up here by the baptistry. If, this, if there's anyone in this church or even online or listen on the radio, please contact us. But brother, if you would just be up front of, to, for, for easy access if someone wants to share, would that be okay? I love him. I love Steve Adel and I trust him so you can trust what he says in regards to the finances. Hey, come on. Again, welcome to Believer's Chapel. This has been a little bit different today. We've gone much longer in different things. Greg, thank you, buddy. I appreciate you, my man. Um, we have gone a little longer in worship in different things, but I called an audible this morning. 
and brought the guys up for Love Thy Neighbor. And this is how we just roll in church. Sometimes you call an audible and go from there. Um, but again, man, we are so grateful that you're with us this morning. I'm going to preach for about 25 minutes. Uh, that's a little shorter than normal, but man, I want you to dig into this. This is the intro to where we're going for the next several weeks. We are going to study the book of Philippians, right? That's found in the new Testament. Go kind of the middle. You'll find it. Uh, turn to Philippians chapter one. Today is just kind of that intro. Like we're just going to talk about where, where, where was this letter written? Why was it written? When did this church actually begin? We're going to get digging into the foundation of this church at Philippi. And uh, there's a region that this church was, was started in, the, in this region. We're going to talk about that. And we're going to go into some things this morning, just kind of as an intro. But I also want to encourage you some different things. As you see through this story, you see some things that we can apply even in our life here and now and what it really means to truly uh, just trust the Lord. Even when God Almighty says no, what's it look like to continue to trust him? Even when God shuts a door in one way that you think it's a good way and God shuts that door in one way, God is going to open another door. We're going to look at this and see this in scripture so that it can just bring some encouragement. And this is, I love this letter to the Philippine church. It's a short letter. It's four chapters. It's easy read. I hope you pregame this, read through it a couple times, even this week, as you knew we were getting into it today. This is my father's favorite letter. This is his favorite book of the Bible. He loves this book of the Bible because this book is different from the other letters that Paul wrote. Right, Paul has given us like half, half of the letters in the New Testament, and, and he, he writes this, half of the books in the New Testament, and he writes this in a different, kind of a different attitude, uh, a much different tone. Right, When he's writing Corinthians, Thessalonians, when he's writing all of these other letters, they have some, some, some deep correction. It has some like change of course, like flee from this, stop doing that, punishments here. Like these, these letters are very much pointed to problems, right? Philippians is not that at all. Philippians is, is Paul writing a letter of thanksgiving from a beautiful place of love. When, when you begin to see Paul's writing, you see that he has a very deep affection for this church at Philippi. And I know like if you're a dad or a mom and you have children, you're not supposed to have a favorite, right? Everyone does, but you're not supposed to. Don't let them know that. But you're not supposed to have a favorite, right? Mom and dad, you, we have three kids. I have my favorite. I can't tell you who it is. I've already done that in the past, and, and it didn't go well. But, like, you know, I can't, I can't say that publicly. But, we, you know, you're not supposed to have favorites. But, you know, as a mom and dad, like, yeah, you cause me so little frustration as a mother and father. Bingo, you're my favorite. It's incredible how that works. Like, Paul had a lot of churches that he started. Philippians was his favorite, right? So when you, when you see this in the tone and the attitude of Paul and he writes this, this is the love letter. This is the letter that says, thank you. I remember you. I'm so appreciative to you. Like this is the church that supported him in his ministry and in his calling and financially supported him. And he even wrote, listen, even when I was in Thessalonica, they didn't give me anything, but yet you still sent finances to support me in this work. Like he had such a, a love for these people. And he writes this letter to simply say thank you. And 16 times in four chapters, you see the word joy or rejoice. 16 times. This is a letter that brings joy. This is a letter that encourages. And man, if, if any time in my time, man, we 
could use a dose of encouragement. We could use the word encouragement means to build courage. This was a letter to build courage to a people that he deeply loved. And man, we are in a time and we are in a season that we could all use a true level of joy and a level of encouragement to build courage to know that my joy cannot be, watch this, cannot be based off of my circumstances. Happiness comes from happenings. I love to be happy. I'm a happy guy. I love happy. But a lot of times my happiness raises when my happenings are raised. But joy is, is proof positive of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life in every season of life. No matter where you're at today, no matter what you're going through, no matter what season of life you're in, you might be on the highest of highs. I mean, you might be in, in, the, in the depths of despair. You might walk in this church and not know anybody. And I'm telling you, this word is for you today. And I want you to hear this today at every season of life that you're in. As we get into this letter for the next several weeks, we're going to go through these four chapters. You're going to see joy. 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 And you're going to realize that I need to make sure that my soul is good no matter what my circumstances look like. Church, I promise you this, I am way more concerned as your pastor about the condition of your soul than the condition of your circumstances. When you understand, if my soul is good, you hear this from me all the time. If my soul is good, I'm good. Yeah, but you're going through, no, my soul is good. I have not lost the joy of the Lord. I have the joy of the Lord. I am functioning from this beautiful level of peace. Peace is the ruler of my heart. Like, I know that it's crazy on the outside, but because of Jesus Christ and the power of Holy Spirit, the range within me, ah, my soul is good. And, and there is such a confidence in that to know if my soul is good, I'm good. And man, this is, I'm way more concerned about the condition of your soul than the condition of your circumstance, I promise you, because if your circumstances are rough, but your soul is strong, you'll get through, and I know you'll get through. So come on, I want, this, is, this is that letter, right? This, this is us kind of pre-gaming as an intro to where we're even going like next week. But if you're at Philippians chapter one, I just want to read a couple verses here, and it says this. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ Jesus. So this is Paul. Paul's the author. Timothy's his partner, right? Timothy's helping him through this. Timothy was traveling with him. Silas is traveling with him. Um, so I, I want you to get this. You got Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who were in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons. This is Paul writing this letter to the church at Philippi. Now you got to get this, right? The church at Philippi started in AD 49. We're going to look at this again, intro, right? We're going to look at this in Acts 16 in a minute. Uh, you can flip there if you want. We'll be there in a second. Acts 16 took place about AD 49. This letter took place about AD 61 or 62, 10 or 11 or 12 years after the church actually started. Then Paul writes this letter. So there is this 10-year gap of Paul starting the church at Philippi compared to Paul writing this letter to this church that he loved dearly, right? So you've got to understand the gap. You've got to see this in the gap. And he's writing this letter to the overseers, the deacons, to all those who are in Christ Jesus, to the saints, that's the believers, who are in Christ. Those who are in Christ are followers and disciples of Christ. He says this, verse two, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrances of you. I thank my God. L listen, he's like, I remember you. I know what you've done for me. I am so thankful. And Paul writes this from this incredible, beautiful place of joy. Man, you, you would think that Paul's writing this on a beach somewhere 
at the highlight of his life, right? Like he's just, he's just doing a, a virgin pina colada, most likely. I don't know, you know what that means, but like pina colada has no actual juice in it, but it's like, he's just on the beach. He's looking at the sun. He's got his little umbrella drink and he's just having a blast on the beach. And Paul's like, oh, this is the, I remember you guys and I'm just full of joy and I thank God for you. And I remember our times together like that. As you read this, you're kind of thinking like, oh, Paul's in the highlight of his life. But that's not really the case. Paul writes this from prison. And you get that from Acts 28. Paul is now in house arrest and he's in prison. And, and he pens this from a place of house arrest, being in a place of, of incarceration in regards to being in house arrest, imprisonment. And this is where he writes this, regardless of his circumstance, joy in Paul would always rise to the top. And he writes this letter going, oh, I love you. I think of you so often. I remember you. Thank you for the gift. And this is coming after uh, Epaphroditus sends, is the one, the messenger that brings a financial gift to him from this church, another financial gift to him. Epaphroditus brings this to him. And this is Paul's response going, oh, I love you guys. I thank you so much for you constantly thinking and supporting of me, praying for me. And man, I constantly think of you and I pray over you and I remember you. And he writes this letter of encouragement filled with joy to just speak his heart to these people that he so, he so dearly loves. So come on, turn me, please. Keep your finger in Philippians 1. Turn me over to, to Acts 16, please, because this is the start, right? This is kind of this foundation of where did this church at Philippi begin? We see that this letter is, is since the beginning of the church, maybe a little bit over 10 years old, uh, since the start of the church to where, to where this letter lands right home for this church at Philippi. And, and you see this, and you see this in Acts 16, this begins to unfold. This is like about AD 49. This is Paul. This is his second missionary journey. He's now partnered up with Silas and Timothy. So you get Paul and Silas. Timothy was kind of, he was, he was a brother that was with them. So you, here you've got them. They're starting to go out on their second missionary journey. And we pick it up in verse six and it says this. So they're traveling. They're looking in these places to go. And they pass through the Phygerian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak a word in Asia. And after they came to Asia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them to go there. I want you to see this, man. I want you to put up that map because this is, this is important for us. I, look, I got my little pointer. You've never seen me with a pointer. And now I, we bought this yesterday. It was, it's so much fun. I can blast people. This is the deal. I want you to see this because what happens when God says no? Man, you're juiced. You're ready to go. You're like, okay, this is good. No, man, I, I am. I am full of God's spirit, like this is Paul. Paul's a big deal. He gives us half the books in the New Testament. Like, ah, he's the guy that got knocked off the horse. Like, this is like, no, this is Paul, a big deal, full of zeal, full of passion, ready to go to work for the Lord. This is his second missionary journey. He's picked up Silas. He's ready to go. Timothy's there with him. They're like, come on, let's go. Let's go preach the word of God. And he's like all juiced. And he's like, okay, he says, we're, we're here. We're going to go right into Asia. And the Holy Spirit says, nope. Okay. All right. So that's a no. So we're going to go up to Bithynia because these guys need Jesus. And the Spirit of Christ says, nope. You're like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like these people need Jesus. Like, like 
I'm on missionary trail. I got my boys. I got my dudes. Like we're out preaching the gospel. Like I, I really want to go to Asia. No. Okay, he must want us to go north. We're going to go to Bithynia. These people need Jesus. No. Was he doing something wrong? Was Paul like, was this a sinful act to want to go preach the gospel? Isn't it an amazing church when you, when you try to live your life by these amazing promises in scripture that simply says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways. He will direct your steps. Church, what happens when no matter what takes place, if you think it's an open door and God closes the door, what is it if God says, okay, I need you in this career, and then God calls an audible because he has the right to do that and says, now I need you in this career. Church, you know my history. I've been a full-time police officer for 15 years. I loved it. It was my life. SWAT team, undercover stuff. I was at the height of my game. I You'd have to take me out in a wheelchair. I loved every day at work. Loved it. It was my passion from a child. I knew what I wanted to do. And God called an audible and I fought it. No, Sean, I need you in ministry. <laughs> That's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm called to be a policeman. Things are we're crushing right now. Things are great right now. I'm climbing the ladder right now. And it was my lovely bride who said, uh, Sean, I think we're called to ministry. I'm like, Renee, that's funny. Like, ministry doesn't pay. I, get make, I make money right now. And I've got insurance right now. And I've got retirement right now. I mean, the church is taking a while to take care of me. But in the beginning of this, it was just like, this, this is not a good trade-off. And I'm like, I, me and the dad, I'm like, I need to protect my family and I need to provide for my family. Like, no, this is good. Church, the very best training for me for pastoring was police work. Knowing how to deal with people, knowing how to talk to people, uh, really growing thick skin, not worrying about what people would think. I've had rocks thrown through my windows. I'm like, well, whatever. And like, you just move on in life in that uh, to grow some thick skin because in ministry, you need to have water off a duck's back in the hind of a rhinoceros. And there's been so much training on how to deal with people in struggling, hurting moments to be able to come into ministry and deal with people in struggling, hurting moments to know that God has called me to this. Nope. Nope. So what is a big man like Paul supposed to do? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways. He will, your version may say, direct your steps. New American Standard says he will make your path straight. He will open doors. He will clear the way. He will close doors. But church, what is the part? You can leave that up because you see where, where there is this part from here to there. And then here's where we're going to study as Philippi. This is the place where, where through a, a vision, there was a man in Macedonia that said, I need you to come here. We need your help. If you were here, you wouldn't have been there. If you were here, you couldn't have been over here. And the Lord is like, no, Paul, I need you here. I don't need you here right now. I don't need you here right now. I need you over here. So if you think this is good, door closed. If you think this is good, door closed because I need you here. And as Paul was in that beautiful place of waiting, say, no, I'm going to believe and trust that God has a plan. We are on our second missionary journey. I've got my boys. This is a no. Okay. No, wait, this is a no. But God, I have to believe that you're going to open the door and put us exactly where you need it. And God said, I need you in this place called Philippi. This is where you're going to plant your next church. 
And a vision came through from a man in Macedonia. And Paul has this vision of this man crying out for help. We need you to come to us and help us. So Paul's like, I believe that this is of the Lord and we're going to go preach the gospel to them. Man, you might be a teenager and you're like, God, I don't know what I'm called to do. I don't know where I'm going. You might be in college and this is the years like we're just like, oh God, where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? God, maybe you're going to close the door or open a door and in this direction. But, but church, this is what I love about this whole story as we see the, this morning in the intro to where this whole church began was Paul going, can I go here? No. Okay. What about up here? No. No, I, I need you to go even further. I need you to go over here to this little place called Philippi. I need you to be there. Church, when, when, you, when you truly, hear me now, when you truly trust in him, say, God, I'm going to trust in you with all of my heart, with everything in me. This is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You, you know the verse, coffee cup. It's on the bumper sticker. It, it, we know this verse, right? I'm going to trust you with everything in me. I'm not going to acknowledge my own way. Like, maybe this isn't for me. Paul's like, this was a good idea, but it's not God's idea. Going to Asia wasn't a bad idea. It just wasn't God's idea. Right? When you go up to Bithynia, that's not a bad idea. That's a good idea, but it's not God's idea. I promise you, church, that if you trust in him with all your heart and don't lean on your own way, but you acknowledge him in everything you do, the promise reigns true that he will direct your steps. Allow him to close the doors. Allow him to call the audible. Allow him to change direction. Allow him. And even if it is, if you're married, maybe it's your husband or maybe it's your wife. It took Renee to come into my world to say, Sean, listen, I do believe that God's calling you to ministry. I do believe that you're not going to retire as a police officer full time. I do believe that. And, and listen, please hear this. Believer's Chapel wasn't even the thought. We were going into missions work. We were going across the pond. We were going into different areas. We were doing different work. Like he called us to a local church to do mission work. Like this wasn't even on the radar when we left the, the police force. So what happens when you allow God to call an audible? What happens when what you're doing is good, but it's not of God and you know it? You're going to allow someone to speak into your life. If you're, if you're a high school student, I love where we're not called to stress and worry about our future. Now listen, don't be lazy, but don't stress. As we sung this morning, what is it to seek him first every day? Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. And you know what? what truly Matthew 6 is about do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry, but seek first his kingdom. Seek first his dominion. Seek first his authority. Seek first his reign. That's what kingdom means. Like seek him first in his dominion and his reign and his authority and his kingdom. And seek first his righteousness. In a day and age where what the world wants to call right, God calls wrong. And what the world wants to call wrong, God calls right. Isn't it amazing that God says you need to seek first his righteousness, what God says is right. You can take that map down. That's good. We've got, I, I used my little green pointer. I'm happy. It's a good deal. But church, truly, what is it? When you say, no, man, I gotta, I gotta seek first his kingdom. Seek first what he says is right. And then all these things will be added under him. 
and I'm not going to function from a place of worry because what does worry add one inch of your day? And we see this right here with Paul. Hey guys, I think we should go here. The Holy Spirit says, nope, I, I don't think you, you're going there. Okay, I think we'll go to plan B. I think we should go here. Ha! Wrong again, Paul. I don't think you're going there. Church, I think so many times, watch this, please hear me. I think so many times that it's plan C that's God's plan. You were banking on plan A. I believe the Lord would shut the door to plan A and then you're frustrated and you're upset because you didn't see that. No, wait a minute. That was God who did that. He's not leaving you out to dry. Like he, not, he, he knows what he's doing. Trust him. Okay, I got plan B. Nope. Frustration sets in. Start to question, start to doubt. And maybe it was just plan C all along. Paul Asia is good, but it's not for you. Bithynia is good, but it's not for you. Just wait. Church, please hear me. So much happens in the waiting. He was ready to go. He had his guys. They were already walking. They were on their way. They were on the ship, man. They were going. They weren't sitting on a couch with a remote claiming waiting. They were busy. They were doing it. They were out there. They were moving. What happens when it's plan C? Church, there's so much that happens if you are in this place and you're in a waiting period. That is the safest place to be. God is going to open another door. God is going to, if you are receptive to him, he will get you to be exactly where you need to be. You've got to trust him. What do you do in the waiting? You trust him. You keep moving. You keep going, but you trust him. You can't let doubt come in. You can't let frustration come in. This is, this is the start of this church at Philippi that he so dearly, dearly loved. And we see that, that truly the, 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 the region of Philippi where the Philippian church was, was named after King Philip II. This is Alexander the Great's father. Right, this is all Greek history. Right, uh, Philippi is Greece today. It's all Greek history. Like you've got Philip II, who was the king, who came in by invite to come in and help this region of Philippi secure their borders because Philippi was known for their gold and their silver. They had gold mines and silver mines. Like this was a prosperous region, and this king who came into Philippi to, to secure the borders eventually in, in, a, in a healthy way took over Philippi and made it a Roman colony. So now the people of Philippi become Roman citizens and attain all the benefits of being a Roman citizen. And it's named after him. And so here's the start of this church in a Roman colony. And, and the beautiful thing about Philippi, it was prosperous. It was great kind of easy living for people who lived there, not for the church so much because there was persecution for the church because this is what set up for the Roman soldiers to come and retire. There was many veterans of the Roman soldiers that would come and this is where they would live. This was their place. 
This was for the retired soldiers, their families. It was a beautiful community. It was prosperous. It was a nice deal. And then when Paul comes in and starts preaching Jesus as king, Romans got a little, whoop, a little crazy about that, going, nah, I don't believe that there's any other king. And they start going back and forth. And this is where the persecution comes in to this church. But yet we're called to be filled with joy. So we see this quickly. We got to move quickly. Verse 13, Paul shows up to Philippi. On the Sabbath, he goes to a place where there's a prayer meeting, trying to find his people, man, his believers. And here's, there's some women that are praying there. Verse 14, and a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics. Lydia had some juice, man. She, she, she was in, in, the, in the game of fabrics. She made purple fabrics. She had some money. Uh, so, so she's there in the prayer meeting. Lydia from the, the city of Thyatira, selling purple fabrics, a worshiper of God. It doesn't mean that she was a born-again believer in Christ. She hadn't heard of Christ yet, but she was a worshiper of God, which means she took the Old Testament, walked in a healthy, holy fear of God, a reverence of God as the creator, as the one true living God. She knew the top 10, right? She knew the commandments. Have no other God before me. Do not worship any other false idols. Like she didn't fall into pagan worship as so many of their day did. She didn't fall into false idols and false worship. No, she was an Old Testament follower of God based off of knowing that God is the creator, based off of the Old Testament writings, based off of a holy, healthy fear and reverence of God. But now, now you see this, where, where Paul shows up now, beginning to speak of this Jesus who is God, and Lydia comes into this place to have a deep understanding and to know Christ. And the Bible says it was Lydia and then all of her household. Here's the start to the church at Philippi. A woman at a prayer meeting who had an understanding of a holy, healthy fear of God, but didn't know Jesus Christ, who now, because of Paul comes in, finds this group. Lydia comes to Christ. Lydia takes Paul to her household. All of her whole household now comes to Christ. Her family, and now they're all baptized, and this is the first of this beautiful church at Philippi that Paul loves so much. An amazing that it's about family, husband, wife, children. Listen, in, in their history, you had cousins, you had family that was all to get large families. Church, we love our families here in this church. We want husbands and wives and children. We want brothers and sisters. Man, we're excited about the children's ministry in this church. We're excited about our teenagers in this church. We are pumped about our college students in this church. We are so juiced about husbands and wives that have decided to follow hard after Christ and to lead their families in such a way and bring them up in the teaching and training of the truth of God's word. We love family here. Yesterday I had some time and I just came in the church and just saying, God, let there be a day tomorrow. Speaking of today, and I just went through and laid hands on every one of these chairs. I walked through our children's ministry rooms, just had some amazing quiet time, just me and the Lord, just praying literally for you. God, that we understand the power of your presence. God, that you would move powerfully in this place through a time of worship. And God, that our hearts would be open to your word. And we would see that even if there's a closed door, God, it doesn't mean no. It just means I'm going in a different place and I have to trust you for this. This is what I was praying for you. I want you to get this today. Husbands, I want you to get it. Wives, I want you to get it. Sons and daughters, brothers, sisters, love family. God created family. And you see this at the church in Philippi. The first convert was a woman, went home and got her whole family, come to know Jesus, and then were baptized. 
And then you, you see, we got, we got crews, but you see where, where Paul begins to preach, Paul and Silas, and they're preaching and they're preaching. And all of a sudden there is this young girl who was filled with a demon and she was filled with a demon that could tell fortune telling. And there were these guys who were using her for financial gain. Like she was the tool to their finances, right? You go fortune tell, make us a fortune and we'll make a good team, right? So they were using this little girl who was demon possessed and she began to follow Paul around as a distraction. Oh, these men are the men of the true living God. And she just began to say this thing, which was good, but it was a distraction. Finally, after a couple of days, the Bible says Paul got annoyed and said, enough. Hey, you come out of her. Demonic spirit comes out of the girl. And in doing that, these gentlemen lost their fortune teller, right? They lost their way to make money. They got upset, went to the magistrate. This is all Acts 16, go to the magistrate. They come and they arrest Paul and Silas and they throw them in jail. And they tell the jailer, listen, I need you to put them, uh, I need you to watch them securely, which means don't let them out of your sight. This was ordered to the jailer, don't let them out of your sight. So the jailer hears this, he puts them in the inner prison. What's the deep, deep, dark dungeon? And we pick this up in verse 20, verse 25, it says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Like, could you imagine this church? What happens if you think, okay, plan A, no. Plan B, no. I need you to go to Philippi. Okay, whoo, had the vision, go to Philippi. You gather, whoa, Lydia. Okay, good start, man. We've got a whole family. This is where the church begins. And then next thing you know, you're thrown in jail. Not just jail, but the inner prison, man. You're in the dungeon, locked to a wall. Come, God, this was, this was plan C? This was your idea of a good plan? How do we get it that even if we don't think it looks great, but you trust his plan? And they did. They didn't question it. What they do, man, they began to raise their hands and they began to sing and shout praises of him. Like they're locked in dungeon and they're honoring God and praising God and singing hymns to God, being amazed by God, even in a dungeon, being amazed by God, knowing you've called us here. This is the right spot. We're in jail. We're okay with our circumstance because my soul is good. I'm okay with my circumstance because I trust you and my soul is good. And we will sing praises of hymns. And then all of a sudden, the earth shakes, the prison doors open, the shackles unlock, and here they stand. The jailer wakes up. He sees that the doors are open. He thinks that they've escaped. Knowing he's been under strict instruction, keep a close eye. And he thinks they escaped, which means I'm going to take my own life before those over me take my life. But Paul yells out, hold it. We're all here. The jailer runs in and he asks the question, what must I do to be saved? And then Paul leads him to Jesus. The jailer takes him home. And guess what? Watch, watch. Guess what? His whole household comes to Jesus. Church, this is the beginning of this church. This is the start of the church at Philippi, which became a powerhouse church that became a church that was known for their maturity and their living for Christ, became known for their maturity and their giving. And Paul had such an incredible, beautiful, deep love relationship with this church. 
it started as plan C. And then they get arrested. And the second full family comes from the jailer. Isn't it amazing how you can say, I think it's a lot easier after you see God's hand unfold everything. <laughs> like, oh yeah, that's why that happened. You ever been there? You're like, oh, and then all of a sudden, of course, God, I knew that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's why that happened. No, but we like to be in the middle of it. And do we still trust him in the middle of it? Before we know the reason why, before we know the outcome, before we see God's hand mightily move in such power and authority, before we see all that, we're in the middle of it. But yet we still trust him. This was the start to this church. This was the beginning. It started with a woman and the designer clothing world. It started with a jailer and their households. And they built a church off of that that was thriving in the midst of persecution, that was thriving and known for their maturity and their Christian living, that built, loved, and supported the Apostle Paul. Come on, if we could just stand to our feet, please. Katie's just going to finish with a song. If anybody needs prayer for any reason, love to pray with you this morning. If anyone needs to speak with my man Steve Adel, please come up and have conversations with him. If you don't know Christ and you want to talk more about Jesus, we'd love to talk about Jesus. We'd love to pray with you with Jesus. Just bow your heads just for a moment. As Katie sings, man, I just want to ask you, where are you in this today? Truly, where are you in this? Maybe you're new to BC and you're like, ah, wow, that was an hour and a half. I want you to really understand God loves you and had a plan for you being here today to hear his living word what is what has this spirit done in you today what are you walking out with I hope you're challenged and changed maybe it's just simply God am I seeking you first are you my first on Monday and Tuesday do I just love my Sundays are you my first on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday or maybe it's like you're in the waiting period and this was for you today. This truly was your game. Now God has closed the door here and God has closed the door here and I'm on plan C. <laughs> I'm holding, man. I'm holding. I trust him. I know his word is true. He is going to direct my steps. And you hold on to that. You hold on to that today. You believe that God's going to open the door. You believe that God's going to get you right where he needs you for his purpose and for his glory. Don't make it about you. Don't make it about you. If it was about me, I'd still be an only MPD. What about me? Don't make it about you. Come on, as Katie sings, I'm just asking you the question, man. What has God spoke to you this morning? Come on. And we'll close it out, and I hope to see you next week as we get into Philippians 1 and get moving on this. Come on.